0: as you join us for another episode we'd really appreciate it if you could subscribe leave us a rating and a review it helps our podcast get a little bit more visibility welcome to season three of to be continued troubling the archive in today's episode guest producer matt miwa is going to be in conversation with nesta charles and sumaya Mayeth. they're going to talk about common roots specifically talking about scrims florist where each of them have worked at one point or another, incorporating floral design into their broader art and creative practices.
1: (laughs) Here we go. Welcome, everyone. Uh, My name is Matt Miwa, and I'm the guest host for this episode of Troubling the Archive. I'm so happy to welcome Sumaya Mayet and Nesta Charles, my two wonderful guests today. But before we start, I just want to start with a land acknowledgement, which is what we do uh, in these times. And I've been really getting into them um, over the past year and a half that I've been doing it uh, a lot for Japanese-Canadian audiences because of my work with the Japanese-Canadian community. And so I say that uh, today we are gathered on the unceded territory of the Gonquin Anishinaabe peoples who have um, occupied this uh, land since time immemorial and taking care of it on uh, the land that we now call Ottawa Hall Gatineau. Um, and when I, when I do the land acknowledgement for Japanese Canadian audiences, I link it to the concept of generations because uh, land acknowledgements are about respecting, uh, loving, appreciating the people who have taken care of uh, the land. And that's all about memory. And um, for the Japanese Canadian people, you know, uh, in their first communities on the west coast of Canada, Oh, uh, well, and the u s as well, but uh, you know they drew their first prosperities from the the sea there is fisher people from the land is farmers, and that was the the majority of of where their work and prosperity came from. Uh, so anyways, to acknowledge uh, that this is indigenous um, uh, that the indigenous people have been caretakers since time immemorial, it's really to link to your own concept of generation, and I think that we'll talk about that today um. You know, you both come from families that are are spread around the world, um, and you know we'll we'll get into that. I've already rambled <laughs> for this first bit of the podcast, but let me introduce you again. And if you could just provide um, you a little bit of background details about yourself: where you're from, where you grew up, where you're born, what you're doing now, what brought you here. Uh, so, um, Sumeya, you, you why don't we start with you?
2: Um, Hey, thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate being included on this podcast and that was a beautiful land acknowledgement, Matt. Um, So I don't think you rambled. (laughs) Yeah, so I am originally from Johannesburg in South Africa. I lived there my whole life. I never really moved around much. I studied there, went to school there. And I met my partner there and they are currently here studying um, a PhD in philosophy at Ottawa U. And so I tagged along because I didn't really have much going on. Um, and also I wanted to experience Canada. You know, I think there's just so much uh, space for artists and young artists in Canada that there isn't really back home. Um, you know, there's, it's just the nature of, of first world versus third world. And um, yeah, so right now I work at Scrims Florist, which is awesome. And that's my kind of permanent job. And then um, in my free time, I do as much art as I can, try to explore Ottawa, um, get to know Canadian culture a bit better. So I'm less of a sore than and... Yeah, (laughs) that's me.
1: Okay, well, there's so much more to tease out from that, but that's a fantastic intro. And before, Nesta, before I get to you, I'm such a bad host. I forgot to mention what brought us together and uh, why I immediately thought of both of you for this podcast. Is because we all have a connection to Scrims Florist, um, where we all have worked and where we all have been artists in our rights through flowers, as well as our own artistic practices. But, uh, Nesta, why don't you just take it away from the beginning before we get into that? Thank you for having me. This is a privilege to be able to
3: uh, share and have the conversations around art, around lifestyle. Um, I uh, grew up in the Caribbean. I grew up in St. Lucia. I was born in Brampton, first of all. And uh, at the age of two, my parents migrated to Dominica. Uh, in the Caribbean, I stayed in Dominico for two years and then St Lucia become out became our permanent home. So between the age of four and 18, this is kind of my foundation. So uh, you know it's, it's it's pretty much my roots. My, my mom still was uh, used to live there, passed away. my dad is still there right now. but uh, when I came to Canada, it was an opportunity for me to uh, be myself. you know it's not very easy to be the young queer person in the Caribbean so you know realizing that there was a whole world and a whole opportunity and family to be able to branch out and be myself Canada gave me that opportunity and it's it's one of those things that i am forever grateful for uh amidst all the politics and everything that people could complain about i have, have always maintained a sense of gratitude to what this country has offered to me and um it continues to grow you know i uh I worked in Toronto for a demolition company, and so I developed love for gardening for doing landscaping. And I had applied to a little flower shop downtown Toronto called Adelaide Floral, just taking care of the plants. You know, it was this—I was just there, just there to maintain the plants, take care of the plants. Thinking it was a nice little job outside of my demolition work, and I already had a sense of gardening and taking care of plants. And um, one, I think Mother's Day, they, need, they needed a lot of help processing their flowers. So I got into playing with flowers, and I was just like, this is actually really neat. Like, something sparked. So when I moved to Ottawa, I applied to every single flower shop I could find, and Scrims was the first one to hire me, and I couldn't believe it. And so this is where we met.
2: (laughs) Oh my god. Yeah,
3: I was hired by Terry
1: Donovan. Good old Terry. (laughs) This is a lot of inside stuff for for the listeners, but yeah, Ter, you know Terry is now an octogenarian retired florist, and uh, he was Nesta uh, Nay's nice boss, and uh, Terry still comes in uh, to hang out with with you, Samir. Oh yes,
3: and uh, going further, further, but well, not further, further back, but I mean, back in those days, this is when Mister Chandler, Paul Chandler, used to be present in the store, and he was the previous owner. Uh, who inherited the company down from the original Scrims family and Mr. Chadley used to work for the screams family. But he was always very present in the store. You know, you could see how as he deteriorated with age, he was you know, his vision was kind of going. But um what a beautiful man and beautiful soul. Mm-hmm. And he encouraged me. Like as as much as, you know, you could tell that he was, you know, kind of up there in terms of age wise, but he had a sense of encouraging. Like he, he pushed me. And I was just a young little black boy. Trust me, like where where I'm like, okay, you know, I could tell it's a different environment. Scrims is very high end. It's mm-hmm. a certain aesthetic, you know what I mean? And I was given a chance and I, I often thought to myself, I don't fit into that aesthetic, you know, and I think it, it was it was something where I was like, you know, do I fit this this company or not? And I very much wanted to because I wanted to develop those skills and I wanted to develop that essence of luxury and that essence of um, beauty. And I like that, and it was really tapping into a more feminine side of myself in terms of like the beauty of florals and, and and the history of florals, and 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 what they do and what they bring to people and what they mean. And so um, that became a, 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 a passion out of nowhere. And you know, I worked in the industry for about six, maybe seven years, until I moved over into the LCA. yeah. But even then, um, I did a lot of uh, plant work
1: for the Chateau I did a lot of gardening for the Chateau Laurier. Yeah, and you still like you know you keep that your plants, uh, your plant work, and you know your love of plants going to this day. And uh, Samia, can I ask you? When you said that for me, uh, uh, I don't, I don't uh, necessarily myself uh, feel that it's uh, masculine or feminine uh, working, you know, in in uh, floral design or anything like that. Uh, Not that your opinion is right or wrong or anything but uh, what do you think about yeah that that was a really cool
2: point because i think um when i got to canada i was in a place where i was really struggling with my gender i had a lot of dysphoria um i was really trying to present as mask and um it was um just it's been a transitional period you know Mm -hmm. and um when i got to scrims It's just been this interesting thing of working with flowers and somehow not feeling like I'm being turned into like the feminine, but at the same time, feeling a bit more connected with myself, like, Mm -hmm. like accepting that there are so many different parts of me that can be soft, that can be tough, that can be, you know, whatever, and it all mixes into one. And I think. When you're going through this, well, at least when I was going through this period of trying to be more masculine, I was in some sense maybe rejecting the soft in some ways. And I think, you know, you're just in this place that always smells good. It smells like flowers. and um (laughs) it's just you know but it's also it's a really hard work it's not for the faint-hearted it is hard stuff and it It is so tiring you're on your feet all the time you're getting stabbed by thorns you're you know you're always inevitably going to like cut yourself accidentally it's just you know it's um you're like he like picking up these buckets yeah so i think it's just been really cool to work with a group that is like really different, but yeah, like in terms of the masculine, like the gender dynamics, I think Susan, for example, like she's very tough. She's very, yes.
1: Who is like, the, like, owners the owner's room? group for the listener?
2: Um, she's very tough, but she's also just such a warm person.
3: Absolutely, yeah. For me, it was really an interesting transition going directly from the construction site to a shop. I think that's what it was. Like, I did put on a persona at the construction site of being very overtly masculine, kind of just kind of doing it to myself, not feeling comfortable in living my authentic self. So, I'll be honest, is that you know, when you're amongst a bunch of toxic masculinity around, Annika said there was a sense of, 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 okay, I have to be, you know, that as well. And I have to be so, leaving that and going to the flower shop, all of a sudden, you're right, something about that just allowed me to be myself and allowed me to just be in the moment. And I realized that there's a much softer side of me that I really like expressing and I like coming to the surface. You know what I mean? And it might not necessarily be, like you said, a little more masculine feminine thing, but it's just like a more authentic set of myself starting surfacing when I was around flowers and when I was around color and understanding... how color affected my mood and all of these things I learned back in uh, school in interior design for color theory, but I mean all these little things, uh, these things little aspects of of, of, or these little moments in life they all connect and they all all have some sort of connection and they'll lead up until, you know, so it's interesting to see uh, my journey and how everything has taken me up flower shop through the flower shop, outside of the flower shop but I'm still involved in plants and taking care of plants and I still can't go, back, go back to floral design periodically, but um, it's quite nice.
1: Well, you know, I it, you, two, you both are so impressive in that you just have a natural talent. Well, just with aesthetics, but it comes through very easily and sculpturally with uh, flowers and floral design. I was g- going to save this till the end, but since we're on the subject, uh, why don't we just dive right in? Um, you know, uh, flower shops are like they're different from any other retail experience or shop because it's like an interactive creative experience for the people that are that are working it as well as the clients or customers it's so different from you know just shopping for a thing or going to buy some clothes like there's a there is an artistic uh, encouragement for everyone that's involved uh, sometimes too much with some customers that you're dealing with you know you just uh, they overtake or whatever because everyone's very excited about flowers Well, not everyone, but you know, lots of people. But can we just go into uh, what your mindset is, or what you, uh, because it's so easy for both of you to put a a hand tie or a vase arrangement together. Can you, each of you, just kind of walk us through what your experience of it is, including maybe the anxiety, which I certainly have when it comes to putting something together, but also just the ease and how you see beauty. And how it just comes together so easily for both of you. Um, Anyone want to take it away? Yeah,
2: so, uh, I don't know, you know. um...
1: Well, first of all, Samia, you do know that you you are naturally gifted at that, right? (laughs) (laughs) Okay, great. Because I was there that you just like, you were just like, okay, we have to make these hand ties because it was just so busy. And then you just did it and it was incredibly beautiful. I I just said ladies first, but I didn't ask what you identify
3: as. I do apologize.
2: Oh, I can even hear you say "ladies first. I hate being called a lady.
3: Okay. There you go.
2: I'm a she they, but I don't really know what that means in practical terms. Okay. Um, yeah. you can say she. I don't like. <laughs> um. sweet. <Keep> won't.
1: <laughs> and so you are he. You're he. He. Uh, him. He, him. Stuff? She. They. You call me anything you want. I'm good. Cool. <laughs>
2: I love that. Yeah.
1: But anyways, back to the back to the topic at hand. Uh Sumay, you were saying about uh, hand ties or yeah, flower arranging.
2: Uh, you know, it was it was really exciting to work with flowers. I didn't expect to work with flowers. I thought I was coming on for plants. Um and it was suddenly Mother's Day and you know, we had this uh there was this designer that started around the same time as me. And she was just really excited to teach me things, you know. I guess because we started at the same time. And it was awesome in the sense that I just got like taken under her wing and she just showed me like how to put stuff together. Sculpture's never been my strongest um, suit. So, you know, I was tentative, but definitely like flowers, flowers are somewhere in between sculpture and, and, you know there's something else so yeah I think it was just really cool because you go into the case um, which is where we keep the flowers um, and you just see all these colors and you see all these flowers and you just try and like make this shape that works together and I think a lot of people don't realize the amount of art skills like traditional fine art skills that transfer to uh, yes. making a bouquet or a vase arrangement you know yes. shape is important symmetry is important um you have to have some sort of composition so even if it's not symmetrical there has to be an idea of composition it can't just be like a, yeah. uh, you know whatever and I think a lot of people think art and floral design is so eclectic and out there but it's in some sense it's it's quite um methodical and you can lose yourself in it because it's just you know you kind of get so used to those um steps and routines and rituals that then you are able to build in your creativity Mm -hmm. um and so yeah that's kind of been my experience i find it really stressful to be in the case and have a customer like watching me pick flowers um, <laughs> because i'm I'm like i don't know if they like what i'm picking and sometimes right. i can see their face kind of <laughs> right. yeah. Yeah. um you know and if sometimes you're just not in the mood sometimes they pick a flower it's like a starting flower and you're like oh my god yeah. that's that flower like why would you pick that flower but once you start once you get going it usually gets better wow. Uh-huh. Usually.
1: Well, usually, eh? <laughs> not all
2: the time. <laughs> you have a nervous <laughs> moment. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, that's, I mean, I don't know. It was such a whirlwind. You know, I started at a flower shop um, in the Mother's Day period. And, you know, it was oh, literally, it was oh, trial by fire. Trial by so, fire. Yeah. Yeah. So yes. <laughs> I just had to learn it really quick. And then it was it's not something I'd ever expected to get into in my life. And it's been so wonderful that I have.
1: Uh-huh. That's great. Thanks, man. Um Nesta, can you uh tell us you know talk about the same thing, but uh you know, you also ran Fines uh, for, uh shop at Fines Nesta for a ran while and for a few years. And what was that like and like you know, like like using how is your creativity channeled slash challenged uh, for that to, It was well? interesting because um
3: a lot of my training or the foundation to floral design I learned at Sprims. I worked with uh, Terry, and I worked with Sharon, and they both were uh, amazing, outstanding teachers and gave me all the tools and the the understanding when it came to choosing flowers, um, height, um, color theory. Mm-hmm. Um, so you have your tall flowers, your short flowers, your focal points, so that your main flowers, are your main blooms, um, even the value of the blooms. You know, certain blooms in terms of I mean, not to be pretentious, but I mean, you wouldn't do like a bouquet of like high-end roses and have carnations in there, you know what I mean? So <laughs> even though it is a thing, it is a thing in terms of like choosing the value of your flowers and being able to highlight certain the value of certain flowers uh, in, a, in a very artistic way. Um, understanding the height of your vase or the base of your vase, to so the ratio of the height of the bouquet to the base of the vase itself. And uh, I mean, if you're artistic enough, you're able to sort of like bend and, con- and bend and break some of the rules to create more floral art, which is what happened when I went over Fines. So once I started managing Fines, I was able to read, explore a lot more floral art. We started getting into Icabana. I delivered it. To Icabana. Okay. And I was experimenting. I oh. with a lot more texture and I had um, more control overdoing these designs and um i love doing display i mean i i always had to store as a theme and every theme told a story and what i liked about where we were in mental building was we had a big massive class window a display that
1: also over-
3: so there was a display stage that i could use and utilize to just highlight anything or any theme using plants and using flowers and being able to just, like, showcase my designs, um, I really, really took pride in a lot of the designs that I did. And um, I really enjoyed uh, every moment of it and being able to share it. And um, yeah, that was quite a lovely experience. More inside (laughs) stuff, but yes, (laughs) (laughs) for the listeners. They all know each other. It's all like one community of absolutely amazing designers and um you know i was i was very happy to be able to work with these people and to gain all the knowledge that i that i gained over the years
1: yeah it's fantastic so um staying on the subject of creativity can we talk about ourselves as uh, artistic souls and where that's where where the creativity comes and where the artistic um sensibility vision you know just need comes for from both of you um, I wonder if you can if you know maybe you can't identify uh what drives you artistically creatively, creatively, creatively. that's the word. Um, and we you know what from your you know lot your lives you you draw from and uh, you know if you want to stay with flowers, stay with flowers, and if you want to move on to you know a more your broader art practice, then um please talk about that. so uh, Samea, can you take it away?
2: I think ladies first.
0: There? Absolutely. That <laughs> I, I, I one, yeah. <laughs> uh, I'm in trouble for this one. <laughs> it's too out there. Um,
1: um, and Nesta, like uh, now, you know, because I, I know you and I know your mother is, a, is as an artist is a big influence yes, on you. You know, it's a, yes, it's a yes, nice time to talk about uh, that if you want to. Well, yeah, no, of course. So It's always a good time to talk about mom. <laughs> Um,
3: My mother passed away four years ago, but I mean, growing up in the Caribbean, um, my mother, she did her schooling here in Toronto. Um, She was an architect, and so that was her profession by trade. And when she moved back to the Caribbean, it was her, my dad, my brother, and I. um, I know, and she's told me the stories, how hard it was for her as a young black female architect working in the Caribbean to get work and to, to have... accolades and to be recognized you know what i mean even with all the scholars and even with everything this was like back in the 1980s um you didn't see that that wasn't a thing what i mean so she was a stay at home mom but she leaned heavily into her art art became her thing i mean you named it she would build it she would paint it and my father he's a carpenter and so same name it he would build it he would paint it Uh, my dad also did a lot of uh woodwork a lot of wooden art, a lot of um we were surrounded by wooden sculptures and a lot of wooden art, a lot of woodwork, a lot of very, um, I mean, the house was very colorful and very, you know, unique and different. And I knew so just when I used to go over to other people's houses, I was just like, your house doesn't look like mine. And so I was surrounded by paintbrushes and canvas and paints and color swatches. And my mom, she would dress, and she would dress up in the most extravagant, colorful dresses, and I used to eat it. Why? It was Why? Just of these things where I'm just like, Mom, you were like, you're too much, you're too extra. <laughs> oh, you <laughs> know. <laughs> and so I, I love the fact that she was too much and too extra. I mean, I think back then, anyway, you know, this is what people wanted to do to her. This is what people wanted to to do was like tame her. You know what I mean? You're too much. You're too extra. And she was a very, very strong woman. Oh my god. <laughs> um very independent very strong and i think it drew my parents to get a divorce um it, a bit much in the end for for both of them and you know it's like my mom moved on and she did her own thing and she thrived and she survived in her own skin doing what she loved uh very much in the caribbean and she loved doing her art she still dabbled back and forth with i mean she built a few houses so she had a few a few house building projects here and there but art was what really thrusted her onto uh St. Lucia Stage, if you wanna call it that. She was recognized and she won awards. And um I started painting a little bit later in life, like in my late teens, I would like dabble with um canvases and paintbrushes and mixing paints and mixing colors. And then um, you know, it's one of those things where I feel my my take on 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 art is like just the beauty in life. You know, there's so much colour and there's so much beauty all around us. And so I can't help but just look around and see, you know, a sense of poetry everywhere. It's like visual poetry and everything. I'm a bit of a, I'm a bit of a, a daydreamer, if you want to call it that. I always look around and I'm always seeing, I'm always constantly looking for the beauty in life versus looking for the ugly in life. So everything I, I see, I see from a colorful standpoint, or I try to see it from a colorful standpoint, or I try to see beauty in the simple things. If I see, if there's chaos, I mean, there's things that you can't avoid, it is what it is. But um, if I have an option uh, to choose to see life through a beautiful lens, I I like doing that, and that kind of drives my passion for creativity and for uh, sharing that, you know what I mean? Whether it be through, I do yoga, whether it be through yoga, whether it be through um, my plants, whether it be through floral design, um, all of these things are creative things that kind of uh, stimulate those juices in my senses. I love stimulating my senses. You know, when something gets my attention, you know, visually... When I, whether be I'm listening to it, whether it be I'm tasting it, I'm smelling it, I'm touching it. When my senses are electrified, you know, art flows. However that might be, you know, it could be through singing. It could be through painting. It could be through just your body movements. It could be through just something very simple and delicate, whatever that might be. But, I mean, there's no definition of what art is. It's through several lenses. And let's say someone who chooses to look at life through a dark lens. You see art through their lens and you see a dark version of art. You know what I mean? So it's like, you know, it's an interesting, it's an interesting way of an, an encompassing what life is and what life is through different eyes, also through different people's eyes. <laughs> that was very well put. That was
2: amazing. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and Sumea, what
2: did you say? Oh, it's my turn now. <laughs> yeah. Um...
1: No, 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 but of course you have your own perspective and, you know.
2: No, 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 of course. No, Nesta, I mean, honestly, that was, that was really, that was beautiful. That was just so, like, perfectly succinctly put. Um, I, yeah, so, you know, I really, I really resonated with a lot of what Nesta said. Um, And yeah, I mean, I obviously, I had a very different childhood. Um, My parents, my dad at least is very in tune with the kind of more art stuff which is odd because he's a science guy or maybe it's not odd at all um <laughs> but um, you know so he would he would make sure we went to like the free art gallery shows and um he always used to journal and he used to buy me a journal and encourage me to write and um encourage me to pursue my creative um outputs which was really not common back home um you know creative fields aren't seen as careers they aren't seen as things you should encourage your kids to do or maybe you can but just as like a side hobby um but dad you know he genuinely could see that I loved something there you know and that was really really special for me you know both my parents my mom too like they just um they gave me the space to be creative and they they could, you know, they sent me to those kinds of schools and uh, made sure I had, uh, the, I was able to access stuff that they wouldn't have been able to as kids. Um, and that most parents in their bracket, like, you know, brown parents in South Africa in the early 90s, 2000s, they wouldn't have really wanted that. Um, so yeah, and then, you know, I took, um, I, I took an art program when I was in high school and I had this dream of being an artist. And I guess like how Nesta says, like I was really a daydreamer. I was always drawing or writing or singing to myself or, you know, that's just what it was. And then I took this art program and it kind of, um, it crushed me (laughs) Yeah, it really, you know, it was really about high art, like fine art. And it was really tough. It was very critical, very um, brutal, I think, on students. Like, I think art is so personal and emotional that you have to have some sort of sensitivity when you're giving people feedback or criticism or any sort of, you know, you need to say you need to balance what was done well with what wasn't done so well. I think that's an educational tool that wasn't used well. And um, so for ages, I didn't pick up a pencil or a paintbrush for... Yeah, I did it, um until like 2019. And that... I don't know how many years that was. Like 10 years, I don't know. And um, yeah, so I did a degree in history... And that surprisingly got me back into my art because the history program I was part of, it was just amazing. It was these, um, you know, uh, local historians in Johannesburg. And Johannesburg, it's a really grungy city. It's not beautiful. It's, uh, it was built on mines. So it's dusty. It's, it's, it's a hard city and the people who kind of had this history workshop group that I was part of, they were doing a lot of grassroots work with the communities in Johannesburg and trying to tell local history from the community. So trying to get, um, people in communities to tell their own stories, not this like high academia, um, history of whatever. So it was called history from below. And, um, its focus was on the everyday and the ordinary and looking at just people's everyday lives and how that changes the world. Um, and you you realize like these small things. And I think, you know, Nesta was talking about how stuff you breathe, stuff you taste, stuff you smell. It's like these amazing um, experiences. And, you know, you're, you're talking about, you know, I was writing papers on men who go to taverns Um, and the kind of freedom they experience in the tavern, the queer experiences that, you know, whatever. It's just, it's these tiny spaces that you wouldn't normally look at in a big scheme of things, but it's part of people's everyday lives. So just like going to a pub, like after work, and it's just a social event. It's just like people just meeting up, but somehow it's, it's the space of creative energy, and it's not something that you would normally study in, an academic space. And so I think it's just
3: a way of life, you know, it's literally a way of life.
2: Exactly. And I think I kind of ended up comparing that to my, um, love for art and creating stuff. And I really tried to look for the everyday and the beauty in the everyday.
1: Can we move into, uh, you know a conversation about being queer and what's it like to be queer in ottawa what is your queer identity and how comfortable how great it might be to to live here know. as a as a queer person or how not great it might be here to live as a queer person <laughs> uh S- Simea, you want to you want to take that to, um, to, to
2: yeah, uh, ottawa has been a huge culture shock for me i think i've spoken to matt about this before but it just I sometimes feel like I'm on a different plane to people I'm speaking to. Um, in Johannesburg, I knew where the queer scene was. I knew, you know, how to navigate it.
1: Well, wait, could you could you talk, like elaborate on how, how you navigate the queer scene in Johannesburg for our curious listeners and myself?
2: Yeah, I guess like I don't really know what, like how you would explain that.
1: There's um, a question. Would
3: you say that it is a navigation in terms of like, okay, you can't just like walk down the street, but you literally have to navigate your way through the scene to get to the scene.
2: Yeah. I think that's a really cool question because I think there is a, there is a kind of navigation in the sense of, you know, I c- you can walk down the street and you can spot who's queer and, right. um,
1: okay. Okay. That's nice.
2: And here I don't necessarily know.
1: And that's, there's no, there's no oh, problem. No. I
2: mean, yeah, obviously. No, there's definitely. Okay. There is definitely homophobia (laughs) and there is definitely violent and aggressive homophobia and gender-based violence is appalling in South Africa. Um, You know, but I think Johannesburg is really sheltered because it is a big city and uh, big cities tend to have um, a lot more money. They tend to have a lot more um, foreign influence and... So if it, you have these bubbles of safe spaces throughout the city and when you are the kind of person who frequents, uh, queer bars, queer art scenes, you can kind of tell, you know, um, I don't know that anybody could tell that, that, could that, tell that someone which. is queer. I don't think that any, just any person could tell okay. that that person is queer, but,
3: um, it's unspoken communication. We, we are we need to get community, we, we get that.
2: Okay. Yeah, right, Exactly. <laughs>
3: It's our mother language?
2: Yeah, and then there are obviously there are certain spaces where you can flaunt it. You know, you, yes. could, you know, we it, we started having balls in um, Johannesburg like a few years ago, and what? yeah, like uh, <laughs> so, you know, and and it's be, it's this really amazing scene because it is it is predominantly people of color and. You know um i just there's something so safe about it because it's just these spaces where you know so okay so one of my favorite parties um was called the secret garden and um basically you could go there and and they would have bounces and they wouldn't let you in if you looked like a toxic um cis person oh, um okay. But not in like a really, like that sounds really terrible, but um, yeah, yeah, I don't know. It was just a place for uh, queer bodies, queer people to just dance and like let loose and not feel like you were going to be groped or harassed or Mm -hmm. anything like that. But it was this party that was advertised all over Instagram, all over everything. And it was, you know, um, and there were so many spaces, especially like we had an event called um, For Black Girls Only. And so it was just women of color, no men, like, and it's just, it was just a social event, just, you know, like, that kind of stuff was happening all the time. And it was just something I got so used to, and I haven't really managed to find that here.
3: Well, yeah, it sounds like there's way, way better scene in South Africa than Ottawa. Um... I mean, he's talking about like there's a ballroom scene. And I was like, what? Oh, I was never the ballroom scene, I think about like four or five years ago. And not even, I knew nothing as a black person, I knew nothing about the ballroom scene. And I was blown away that there's this whole industry and what ballroom meant and the history of ballroom. And I mean, I've been loving it ever since. And I was
1: just like, you won't even find this in Ottawa. Maybe not, or yet. Yet. <laughs> Well, great. That was so. That was uh, Johannesburg. But um, uh, just to continue on, what is your like? um, What is your impression of just walking the streets of Ottawa? Are you do you feel hopeful at all here in terms of your the expression of your queer identity or the with the cultivation of your queer identity? Or is it something that you have to put aside? Lots of people I feel have to put something aside in terms of their queerness when they're walking. Through Ottawa, myself included.
2: Yeah, I definitely think there's a bit of both. You know, it's always different no matter where you go. It's never gonna be the same flavor. Um and um I think the sense of community, I don't feel that as much here. I don't maybe that's just because I haven't tapped into it, but I don't have this um immediate like yeah, well I guess that's it. Yeah. No, you're right uh-huh. that. But I, I do I love that the flags are everywhere. You know, yeah. I think that's just it's yes. such a beautiful sense of pride. I think maybe it gets really over politicized, um, and just it gets brought to the front yes. of like things that are completely unrelated. Very good. Which noise. to me it's like, noise. why is it there? Um so like in the contrary, exactly. why is that the issue? Um But at the same time, you know, I've made all these friends um, and it's been this quiet thing where I've made these friends and we haven't said anything. And then a few weeks in, I (laughs) suddenly realized everyone in that circle is queer. And it's like, you know, my friends are from Russia, from Kazakhstan, from, you know, there's just this international um, community in in Ottawa that I had access to. Mm -hmm. And so um, queer is just spoken in so many different languages. And, um, it's been really, it's been really special to meet people who understand their queerness so differently and express it so differently through, you know, gaming, like gaming is not a big thing back home. Um, and so the gaming scene, like, um, I'm like, whoa, like that's, it's led me this really interesting (laughs) scene that I kind of want to get into, but I've never touched a video game in my life. Yeah.
1: (laughs) Um, You need it right here. They're fantastic.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Um, Fan art, pop culture—you know, like there are these, there are these things. There are so many more um, avenues for people who like different things. So it's not just we're all queer, so we're all together. It's also like I like video games, or I like comic books, I like art, you know, and.
3: Culture yeah. is a beautiful thing. Culture is a beautiful thing. And there's so you know, there's so many different cultures that it encompasses so many different aspects of life. And you know, when you look at Western culture, obviously give is a big thing that goes with it. And it's visually like when I said earlier on about like visually stimulating your senses, your senses are yes. stimulated. You know what I mean? So there's that. It's, it's interesting to see how the technology has built this. When you're looking at the games and they make it look like real human beings, and there's you know, and you're engaged. That I think, you know, there's overusing, but there's also embracing and using to the point of like just like creating those those electrical uh, channels in the brain. You know, stimulating those electrical channels, those electrical pulses in the brain. Um, yeah, it's a, it's, a, it's quite a, quite a fascinating thing. I look at that as another form of art, being able to build software. You know, and I know you say that your dad is the uh, worst science. I bet you there's art in science as well. I bet you there's art in, in whether it be like looking at molecules, whether they be looking at like how, you know, molecules are formed or looking at these things on microscopes. There's a certain beauty in seeing these things as well.
2: I think it's the <laughs> sense of like wonder. I think that's what my art and maybe I think what Nesta is getting into. It's just this taking, drinking in the beauty of the world and like really just being blown yeah. away by it and letting yourself be blown away by it. Like not trying to have the answers
1: okay but but okay so when you say that and i'm uh i'm gonna ask this question pessimistically do you feel walking down the st- like in the place you are now the place you've both chosen to be to live and be for the moment uh that the the world is blowing you away here in this city nesta let's ta- you to ta- you take that away well, well first of all walking down the street i come from st Singlish. english it's
3: i mean back then it it was very homophobic. I think they've come a long way. Uh Sailorship now has a pride committee. They're they're now a little bit more liberated in terms of um people being themselves. Back then when I was growing up, you couldn't do that. So I was very, very much like, you know, had to stay closeted, be closeted, whatever you want to call it. And when I the moment I moved to Ottawa, that lifted. So I feel moving here, it allowed me to just again get rid of that baggage and be myself and i you know had my little rough back and forth with like you know trying to fit into a community where i'm not really represented i didn't see that very much in ottawa you'll find it a little bit more in toronto i lived in toronto for four years um and then you'd see oh there's a bigger queer black community in toronto where i'm like oh okay and then there's people from the caribbean there's a huge caribbean community in toronto Um, at the same time Toronto was very fast paced Toronto was a little bit overwhelming for me I moved back to Ottawa and I just found balance in terms of the right amount of green space I was still uh, the right amount of city space I was still able to be myself walk down the street being myself and feel comfortable and confident in being myself so yes I have to admit Ottawa has given me that Canada has given me that the ability to to really thrive and to just be who I am and not not even like second guess it, you know, what I mean? it's funny because I had a, cu- a customer compliment me at work the other day and she gave me a compliment in front of a whole bunch of other people, a whole bunch of strangers. And then she came back and she was just like, just so you know, I just want to let you know that I'm married and I have a husband. And I said to her, I was like, in her heart, I was like, just so you know, I'm gay. And everyone just started laughing. But I mean, it was me having that compliment, not even like second guess, you know, saying it out loud in front of just a bunch of strangers. And everyone laughed. I and mean, it was just like a nice, lighthearted kind of thing that was just like, I could take a compliment, you know, no no offense, no nothing. But I don't, I think at some point I was, I wouldn't be able to, to have done that, to just come back and just like spit it out and gay without even second guessing. Um, and I could do that now. And I could do that. Um, I, you know, I do feel hopeful. I do feel confident. I do feel comfortable. I do feel that we're, um, we're here, we're being hurt. Um, actually, there's an interesting question that I want to ask you guys in regards to us being here and being heard because the community is growing now more than ever and we're, we're present now more than ever. We're not going anywhere. And you can see how interesting how uh, the community is being capitalized off. So I wanted to ask you guys what you think about the queer community being capitalized off of by big corporations, a.k.a. when you see pride parades going down, that you see everything from CIBC, TD, and all those big banks floating down the street and you know the only reason that is happening is because there's a market to tap into now don't get me wrong i'm happy but you know is it that you're really there for us or is it that you're just trying to tap into that uh or just ride upon our
1: backs what do you guys think well it just feels cold to me it feels very cold and impersonal that's how it you know and like you know, so like I, I'm not so like I'm not going to use your bank because my bank account is there. I have to. Well,
2: it's, it's that thing of that real Pepsi ad for Black Lives Matter. Like why, like right. why? Oh, just, oh. Um, yeah, that thing. Um, yeah, it just yeah. it just seems to miss the point of um, where Pride began, of yeah. what it meant to walk down no, no. the streets without fear, despite being very afraid, and just yeah. saying like, "We're here." You know, we we exist, and um, I think that's so powerful. Like when you go back to that, it's so emotional.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's exactly it, Samir. I think it takes the emotion; it takes all the emotion out of uh, when when pride when pride flag is commercialized or when pride is commercialized. It just takes all of our mm-hmm. most cherished and like you know vulnerable emotions out of it, and it just yeah. makes it into a. Ugh.
2: <laughs> yeah, and it and it, it kind of the takes witches. away from the people who genuinely um, had to fight to be here, you know. So Nesta yeah. coming from Saint Lucia, um, you know, I, I I don't know. I I had the yeah. experience of where for a lot of people who were safe to proclaim that they were queer, it became more of a declaration of um, being alternative and you know, then, you know, then the solidarity, then risk. Then risk? Um, No, I I didn't want to put words in there. Solidarity, I think that's what, uh, you know, banks capitalizing on it is. It's taking away from the genuine, um, you know, the the trial of trying to um, come out to your family, trying to... um, tell people around you that you are still who you are no matter what you know um
1: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah 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 yes yes yes
3: anyway it was it's something i don't want i wanted to i we were talking is something I, i've been thinking about and i i think of it periodically because um you do want to see us being represented and you do want to see it being acknowledged and so it's a fine line again like i said between um having businesses uh, have our flags up and flying our flags, and letting us know that we support you. Yes, 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 we support you. We're here for you. And then you have us up there for the month. And then the moment the month is done, like those flags have disappeared, they've gone down, and it's just uh, you know you look around, you're like, oh, okay, you know.
2: Well, I guess that kind of speaks to Matt's question about feeling hopeful in the streets. And I think um, I like. I think there is representation, but there also isn't. You know, it's always the case. that... Just- you know, we represent mm-hmm. what, um, we know is trending at the moment and what's not trending is, you know, queer people who look a certain way. Yeah. So there are these queer people uh, who look yes. this way and they're great for marketing. And then there are the other ones that we just like, um, try to hide away, um, yeah, so I think there's always there's always someone who is being left out and not being represented and not being heard. And I I feel that sometimes in the streets. I think um I might have a skewed perception because I've never lived in a place with so many white folks. Yeah. Um so I'm just like, <laughs> why is Christ so white? Um
1: fuck <laughs> you. <laughs>
2: <laughs> um you know like why is why does the identity of queer look so white um and you know when you think about something like instagram and and how it shadow bans certain accounts that are you know exploring sexuality in a different way really that just doesn't mix with the kind of thing that the capitalist um commercialized image wants you know so um
3: I think i I think I slipped. I think when I first came in, I slipped into that idea of trying to fit into a type of a category in within the gay community, but I long let go of that, and I just realized that you know, when I looked around, um, again, I didn't seem not to see I was looking well, you kind of look, but I always thought of myself as a unique individual in the sense that you know, I don't see myself around in in very many communities, you know, it's it's unique in a sense that um, I've always thrived in my own, or tried to find my own identity, Uh, not necessarily looking to latch on to, oh, I'm not too feminine, or I'm not too masculine, or I'm not this, or I'm not that, realizing that um, there's a lot more to myself than identifying as gay, but who am I as a human being? you know um i think society we 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 are always trying to fit into a category or into a box or into a system or into a label system and so it's interesting to see that um you know how say gender t- uh, terminology how's that also shifted from he she to they them um, which also creates a form of category and when you think of it you know when someone does doesn't identify as uh i wish anyone is able to identify as whatever they want to all that's happened is that more categories have been created and so which is great but now I, hopefully these categories don't divide the gay community even more so now where everyone's kind of like thrown into these small little categories in within the gay community or under the umbrella of the gay community dividing people a little more like you said already there's a certain type of gay and there's a certain type of gay and there's always been those two types of, oh, you're not that, you're another type of gay. So now you have, okay, the gay community, which is now even further more divided. Um, hopefully, doesn't create more of a divide. That's the only thing I was thinking in terms of the hopeful. I love where we're going in terms of like owning our identity and figuring out who we are, but hopefully, not get lost in society, creating these terminologies or creating the sectors, thinking that we need to now fall into these sectors to, to
1: be. The pr- this person you know can i can i uh, uh, respond yeah. to that nesta i i don't think that um i don't think that categorization like more categories or more identities um uh that's not lead, leading to isolation like I, I i don't know if it's true i don't know if this has always been true but I, uh you know we're just becoming more and more roboticized not by so like by, by so social it's, media it's, but just i don't know well, it's, it's, there's a lot of evolution that's going on right before our eyes so what i love
3: is how our youth are opening up our eyes and a lot of people they tend to overshadow and overlook the youth this is what's this is our future this is what's happening right now what they're going through is what's going to kind of like transition into what the future becomes and you're seeing the youth now more than ever really identifying with who they are and it's nice that you know the space has been allowed for that to happen for them to actually be and identify okay this is why i'm as an individual or this is why i'm um in terms of my gender identity uh, and and um and having those avenues to 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 grow and to and to be the, those individuals um you know it's, it's 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 rather unfortunate that that wasn't offered to us growing up um, you know it was straightforward like I mean I couldn't even be gay it was just like no you're a young black man that's it you know And then, um, you know finally when I realized that, that I had a, I had that opportunity to experience with that I have to thought to myself well is there more beyond just me being gay and it's and I even thought to myself because I've dated girls in the past before um, I'm I gay you know what I mean and then it's like oh no it's like no you're bi and it's like well no I'm not really bi-. And then again fighting with myself tried to fit into those categories of Am I gay? Am I bi? And it's like, well, no, I'm just a being that just so happens to like socializing with other beings. Um, you know, I share interactions with individuals and I, I can't, I, my interactions based on energy exchanging. And, um, you know, it's, it's one of those things where I try not to keep a closed mind. I meet beautiful individuals from all over the world and we interact and we socialize. It's not just sexually. It could be uh, spiritually, mentally, emotionally. Um, you know, it's different forms of interactions with different types of beings and different types of people. And so the idea of of trying to throw myself into this is who I am, and even then if I had to say, Well, I'm not bi, I'm not gay, well, society's gonna be like, Well, what are you? So now I'm forced to put myself into a box, you know what I mean? <laughs> I think
2: there's a lot of pressure on on queer kids, especially to identify as something or to explain their non identifying as anything, you know, I think. And to lead and to make a noise and to be proud, you know, we're but like, you know, yeah.
3: It's it's quite a fascinating thing because, you know, I know for sure that at, you know, at that time in my life, um, society concept gave me the chance or opportunity to even to be that way and to have that. So there is a sense of hopefulness in terms of um how you know, we're evolving, how the community is evolving, where we're we going. And um, I think, you know, we need to pay attention more to the youth and to what's going on in the world because their voices are loud and they're being, and, you know, they're speaking up. They're speaking up now more than ever, more so louder than, you know, you and myself um, for for all kinds of human rights and injustice. Um, and it's, 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 it's quite a nice thing to see and experience.
2: But like on that, like in that sense, I think there is this hopefulness in that. I think there is finally this kind of global community for you know people who are slightly different, um, um, and I think there is this movement and and the there is this power of technology that it can be shared around the world. Yes. So before you were isolated, if you were in a small town, if you were in just a country that didn't have queer rights you were isolated you were just stuck with your own self-doubt and what am i what like what am i doing what why do i think this way and you can't google like what is wrong with me why do i think about right these things you know (laughs) there wasn't a google even if you No. you No. no. and i i find it so beautiful and and exciting you know to see uh, as a queer artist the queer art spaces and the amount of support and love that is there for um, you know all artists I, I don't know I've seen this there's a trend now on Instagram um, to uh, you know they'll have those challenges like the draw what, different drawing every day of the month right, and, right um one of the people I follow she's this really awesome queer artist um, and her main thing is uh, winners will be decided by how hard you gas up your fellow artists. Oh, I like Yeah, and you I just think innocent. that's so beautiful <laughs> like oh, like God. you can you take part because we, please take part but also just be there for each other. Like I just think that's so dope.
1: Do you participate some, some do you, uh, do, I'm you put, so do you bad submit
2: at keeping to those kind of deadlines?
1: We have to we have to build it up okay. here. Well, on top of what already exists. We're almost at the end. Can we do... um, And uh, Thank you very much for everything that you've said. It's been really fun. Can we do one um, thought experiment to end off? Could you just, each of us, um, describe an ideal... Well, not ideal, just a flower design for us just to give you an you know take a little, little minute to think about it and then then we'll just give each of you some time to describe uh, you know a design that you're going to make and what flowers you'll use and you know greenery or, or whatever I know it's kind of corny but I think it could be a good extra. So what is the verbal descriptor of a floral design? Okay
3: my name is Nesta Charles and um, this is my floral design. Um, I'm going for a tropical design, and so this will be done in a rather shallow base, uh, preferably something in a rectangular shape, neutral color, uh, something not transparent, perhaps in black or in green. Uh, In the middle of my design, I'll have strategically placed three birds of paradise. Uh, One will be about two and a half feet tall, the other will be slightly shorter, the third will be slightly shorter than the second. So it'll be almost in a staggering effect. Um, I'll have some exotic greens going up the back. I love using texture, so we will have some really interesting grass kind of looped to the front, to the right of the design. Um, I love using texture in terms of uh, unique flowers that are not really pronounced blooms. So I'll be incorporating uh, queen portillas, yellow queen portillas, to complement the yellow in the orange birds of paradise, because they do tend to have specks of orange, yellow, and blue in the birds of paradise. Um, The birds of paradise, their heads will be faced in opposing directions. So, in opposite directions, sorry. And uh, the pink pink cushion cushion particular will be strategically placed at the base of the birds of paradise, um, being accented by lovely green ray. I like using Pitasporum. With Pitasporum, it has a really nice kind of round texture. You could either get variegated or unvariegated Pitasporum. Um, And I think I'll keep it simple with the Birds of Paradise, the Queen Cushion Fortillas, which are native to South Africa. I love them. They're long-lasting and they're gorgeous. And then um, I definitely will be incorporating greens for texture and for movement and for shape. Um, I'd like to keep
1: kind of modern. Um, That would be my design. Yes. nesta you are a technical a wizard genius it's yes. very beautiful design i can't believe you just described it so scientifically and wonderful
2: yes. it was so perfectly.
1: <laughs> are you ready samaya your own
2: so hey um my name is Samea mayat and um my kind of I wouldn't say ideal floral arrangement because it's not as organized as Nesta's. I think I have more of an impression of it rather than a um, structured idea of it. Um, You know, so I really love flowers from my home um, and they're very hard to come by here because they're just so expensive. And I love the idea of just mixing these Really hardy, um, tough flowers that at the same time so soft, with these like beautiful succulents and dry savanna grasses and stuff like that. So um, the protea was my first thought, and
3: South Africa, of course, if it's
2: from South Africa. Yeah, <laughs> <And> <laughs> it's beautiful. It's native. It's um, it's when you see it growing in nature you are blown away by how beautiful it is. Um, as a cut flower, it can be a bit strange. But yeah. Um, just, yeah, the protea is really magnificent. It's actually the South African national flower um, because it's just so beautiful. And mm-hmm. then we have this plant called speckworm And that's been this, it's kind of like a succulent. It's got these beautiful little uh, round leaves. And it's very, like, amazing for... Uh, regenerating the um, atmosphere and sort of like cleansing the air. And there's been a big push to plot more of these wherever you can. And i just really love the look of those with the kind of protea. I think like a shape that kind of, you know, the protea is quite round and solid where the speck worm is quite, um, you know, it's, it's, it's got more, it's got space. It's got negative space to play with and mm-hmm. you can kind of have it on the side. I think I like the idea of the grasses. Um, we have really strong but dry grasses because it's mostly Savannah where where I am. And so um, those kinds of things. And, um, you know, we have a lot of these invasive plants too. And I think of some that we have this tree called the jacaranda and it has these beautiful purple flowers. And... If I could incorporate those in a way that would just be like a touch, so the protea is still the kind of focal flower, so cool. with, uh, with these greens and these dried grasses, that would that would be my image. And it's it's kind of a lilac-y purple. It's really gentle um, altogether, and it's it's these plants and, fauna fl- uh, flora that are so good at surviving in such difficult um, environments but at the same time when i picture that i picture something so gentle
1: i think we need to we need to see those those uh, arrangements come to life oh, in uh, real yeah, life definitely... one day <laughs> <laughs> that's true okay well somehow some way anyways i'm uh, again conscious of our time so i just i just want to say thank you so much for being so generous and for your soul and your spirit and for all the listening all the sharing, all the talking, and uh I I really enjoyed myself. You both did as well. Yeah. This was us awesome. This was an ocean. Yeah. Yeah, it's fantastic.
2: I did too. It was uh it's a chat we should continue it with some wine. What was it a yeah.
1: <laughs> all right, this has been Matt Miwa and uh, I've been joined by
2: I'm um, Sumeya so Mayat, and I am so grateful to have been hosted on this show. Uh, thank you, Matt.
1: Yeah, please. You're
3: most welcome. And I am Nesta Charles. And again, thank both of you for such an amazing conversation. Conversations like these are just almost like um, a form of therapy. And so just being able to to have conversations about the community, about us in the community, about our place in the community it's uh it's it's you know it's a sense of knowledge that i i'm taking away i'm walking away with and i'm, I'm very grateful to have these conversations that,
1: that yeah i'm
0: so grateful you. asked thank you thank <laughs> you thanks for joining us for another episode don't forget to subscribe leave us a rating and a review it helps us get that much more of a platform to Be Continued, Troubling the Archive is hosted and produced by Anna Shahak. Technical support for the show comes through from Svin Sun. A major thanks goes to Hunter Dewashe for their wonderful work in creating the logo for the series. The intro and outro are commissioned works by artist Chris bucko binkowski The show would not be possible without the support of QAG and the Canada Council for the Arts Digital Now Grant.